1: Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey,
0: everybody. Welcome back. I'm Lucas. I got Chris here. Uriah is back, but you probably won't hear from him too much tonight because we have another guest. We have our probably, yes, definitely our most reacquiring guest. He is a contributor on our website, Jonathan Guy. Jonathan, welcome back, man.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to some good Sixers talk.
0: For sure, for sure. Everybody having a good week so far, though? Yeah, yeah. All good. All right, Chris, do you want to take us into it? Yeah, we're going to
3: start off with some free agency talk. Uh, Philly has pretty much three notable free agents who were part of the rotation last season. Danny Green, Dwight Howard, and Perkhan So Those are the three names we're going to start off with. And, Jonathan, I'll go to you first, right off the bat. Of those three names... Who do you think is the most likely to leave next year?
2: I think it's Danny Green. I think he's got to go. I, I'm. I mean, the fans didn't love him after he made the comments on John Clark's recent podcast, and his his kind of attitude reminds me of, or like the the um podcast interview reminded me of his comment he made to that fan after he shot I think oh for nine in a regular season game from three, and he just said like. I have 3 rings. I think his attitude is just very content. He's done enough in his career and he's not as uh, he doesn't have the edge that he wants had. So I think he's the one that would be most likely to go from that group.
0: That that's a fair assessment. For me, I'm going to actually say it's Forcon Corkmos. The I I just see his time being up. They have an obvious replacement in Isaiah Joe, which I've written about recently. The Sixers probably don't want to use the mid level on him and he's probably gonna get at least that, if not maybe like seven to eight million dollars a year. And that's just a little bit too pricey for a guy who's pretty inconsistent at times and is a bad defender. So I see Corkmas being the guy that's not gonna return.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I agree with you, Lucas. I just I have no interest in paying Corkmas at this point. I, I don't think he's worth the money that he could potentially get from a team that's a little over eager to add some shooting. Uh, Dwight frankly, isn't a very good fit on this team that might change if they swap Ben Simmons for, you know, a more traditional point guard. But even so, I, I think Dwight's a little bit over the hill at this point. He's not really a guy you can use in the playoffs. I would think they try to upgrade the backup center spot, regardless of what happens with Ben. Um, and, and John, I, I mean, I honestly, I just disagree with Danny. I that the comments about the fan base were pretty uh, dumb on his part, probably not the best look. But you know, that money is not gonna go anywhere else. They can sign him for they can go over the cap to re sign him. That's like 10 15 million a year, hypothetically, that you can use in a fr- future trade. Or just you know, he's a good player, he's a starter. Um, and if you let him walk, you're, you're throwing Matisse or George Hill into the starting five. That really doesn't excite me personally. The only other option they're going to have in free agency is that mid-level exception, which is only 5900000 million. You're not going to get a player as good as Danny Green for that money. So I really don't think there's a reason to let him walk. He obviously has free will. He can walk if he wants to, but the Sixers should be able to outbid just any team within reason. Uh, and even if it's just to have that money on the books for a trade, I don't think there's really
0: a good reason to let him walk. Yeah, you bring up a good point with Danny Green, and I'm just going to say this about Dwight. I don't mind Dwight coming back if he's the third-string center because he is a positive in the locker room, and he can provide spot minutes in certain lineups and situations where he can still look like Dwight Howard five or eight years ago. So I don't hate the idea of Howard coming back. I just think it needs to be in the right context.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm fine with that too. Um whether he's fine with it, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, John, same group. Who do you think is the most likely to resign?
2: That's where I think uh, we have a little disagreement because I think Dwight's going to resign, and I, I kind of want him to. I understand the concerns. Like, he's kind of over the hill. He kind of acts a fool a lot when he's in the game. But I think there's key like things that we remember from past playoffs individually and just the struggles that backup centers had prior to Dwight, I know Dwight didn't add much, but he didn't get, like, we didn't get blown out at the center position when Embiid had to take a rest, and that's the main key that I saw. Like, if he can give us a couple minutes just to put Embiid on the bench and, and be that veteran presence that Lucas was talking about in the locker room, then I think he's the one that should come back. I think he likes Philly, so I think he will be back.
0: I I, I would say that he wasn't a positive in the playoffs. I disagree with you there, Jonathan. And while I would put him in the middle, I would just agree with Chris that I think Danny Green's the obvious choice here because when you look at Green, like Chris said, he can be resigned for you know 15 million on the books. That's a good trade piece, if nothing else. You know, he's still a solid starter, and unless that three point shot really goes away, he still has value. Which three point shooting is like the last thing to go in an NBA player's career. That's why we know for a fact Mike Scott's done. Mike Scott had to take the shot. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I I think Danny Green's the obvious choice because you if you don't re-sign him, you lose that sa- you know you lose that salary cap money that you could use for other trades because guess what, if they don't resign him, that money's just gone. You lose that salary cap space. So you have I I think you have to resign Danny Green out of all these the most.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, look, I, Dwight Dwight was unplayable in that Atlanta series, mm-hmm. like. The fact that he was in the rotation is a knock on Doc Rivers, I think. Like, I, I think he was actively harming them quite a bit, at least in the second round. He can get away with crap against Washington because they're not a very good team. But once they got to Atlanta, Dwight was pretty unbearable, in, in my opinion at least. I, I, I don't know if I would say he gave them much at all at that point, but... Um, I agree with you, Lucas. I think again, there's just no reason not to resign, Danny. If he wants to leave, he can leave. But Philly should be willing to offer a decent amount of money. You know, ten, fifteen million a year. I'm I'm fine with that, frankly. Mm-hmm. And he's a very useful player still. I, I I don't care so much about what he said on like a podcast. You know, it's annoying, and people will we're forget gonna, about it. We're going to forget about that. Yeah, and yeah. and. Two months, no one's going to remember what he said on that podcast. That might not... Philly fans are a little different, so maybe that's not entirely true. But by all indications, he was a solid like leader and veteran presence in the locker room. Guys, Matisse, Seth, lots of guys seem to learn a lot from him on the floor. And like, he does have three rings for a reason. He obviously wasn't the lead contributor on those teams, but he, he plays his part well and he, he contributes at a high level.
1: Hey, Sixers fans, summer is here. Are you ready to unveil your beach bod? You're in luck because our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package, which includes the Lawn Mower 4.0. So what's in the Manscaped performance package? Well, inside the package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs and a travel bag to hold your goodies. The sun is shining and calling your name, fellas. So join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Handle your trimming needs this summer by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Again, that's manscaped.com for 20% off using the code FANSIDED20. And now, back to the podcast.
0: I, I will say one thing that I disagree with you, Chris. He was unplayable in that Washington series. He had one good game. That was game five. No, 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 Dwight. Well, yeah, no. I'm I'm, I'm just
3: saying you can get away with it because Washington sucks.
0: Well, I mean, but their center rotation doesn't. I mean, Robin Lopez, Daniel Gafford was making Dwight look like a fool. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, Dwight's just not very good. He he picks up five fouls every 10 minutes.
0: Mm -hmm.
3: He makes boneheaded plays, as you alluded to, John. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know if the offensive value is there, especially with Ben with Ben in the playoffs when you're staggering rotations there's very little room to make Dwight useful mm-hmm. if they trade ben that that gets you know there's a difference and he is a great rebounder for all mm-hmm. his he's at least still a good rebounder, but i don't know if there's enough value in rebounding in the backup center to to make him like worth
0: playing again next season you know? make him the third string make him the third string Jonathan did you want to add anything before we moved on
2: well I was just going to say with Danny Green I uh think they are fans are going to remember like I know it's just like one-off comment maybe like out of context it seems a little worse than it was but I mean he's he's criticizing people for genuinely caring about the fan base I, I mean I just disagree where I think that I think on opening day, if he's still here, that there will be a couple boos in the arena.
0: Yeah, okay, but would I, that, I, yeah, yeah. Should that
3: dissuade them from re-signing him? No.
2: No, not necessarily, but uh, – yeah.
3: Once once he has a good three-point so shooting game, the fans will forget.
2: You think he
0: will make the choice to leave is what you're saying?
2: That's Yeah, that's more okay. where I am. I don't think he's okay. going to come back.
0: Okay, well, that, that that's understandable then. Let's go ahead and switch gears we're going to talk about what our thoughts on on Sixers players likely to be included in a Ben Simmons trade package. So Jonathan, let me ask you this. Which player is most likely to be included in a trade package with Ben Simmons?
2: I think if I'm another team looking for assets that the Sixers have, I'm going to go maxi. I just think the offensive aggressiveness that he has at such an unage, at such a young age, is something that is rare and shows that He's just going to continue to improve and develop his offensive game going forward. I think what people saw in the playoffs from a rookie is is rare, and I think that he would be the one that uh, other teams would try to attack in a trade.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with that. I think if you're another team, you're obviously angling to get Maxi or, or obviously Matisse if you can. Um, if you're asking me, like, who do I think is most likely to be included, Unless you're getting Bradley Beal or Damian Lillard or some other star of that caliber, I don't think Philly's in a position where they're going to really need to include one of those guys with Ben. If anything, I think they'll probably be getting extra assets back in return. So maybe someone like Shake, he isn't very good and you can throw in as a sweetener. Or, you know, George Hill, if you're trying to come up with extra salary. Like, those are names I would look at. But unless they're trading for like a megastar, unless they're... Actively upgrading over Ben, talent wise and fit wise, I don't think they're going to have to include Maxi. I, I would hope not, at least. If Ben's value is that low where you're like, you have to trade Maxi and Ben to get, you know, Malcolm Brogdon, then you probably are better off keeping Ben and Maxi at that point. But yeah, I, I think Shake, George Hill, guys like that are probably more likely to be traded, but any. Trade for Ben's going to be focused on Ben.
0: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Chris. I think that if if the trade is for a player better than, like, significantly better than Ben, like Damian Lillard seems to be the name that keeps on popping up, then yeah, uh, Maxi. I actually, I will say Matisse because Matisse is already an All NBA defender. I think he has more value right now than Maxi, at least in the short term. Maybe in the long term, Maxi will end up being the better player. But right now, if I'm a team. You get two all-NBA defenders, and Maxi, I mean, not Maxi, Matisse and um, Ben. But if you're trading for somebody like, say, Colin Sexton or Malcolm Brogdon, then maybe you go, you know, then maybe you have to add a guy like George Hill or, you know, maybe somebody like, like you said, Shake Milton. I think Shake Milton's a positive one that probably would be included just as a sweetener because... Even though he averaged 13 points a game during the regular season, he was pretty horrendous minus one quarter in the postseason. So, I think I think you're right on the spot there, Chris, with that. But let me ask you this, Jonathan: Which player, besides Joel Embiid and Harris, is least likely to be traded in a, a move for Ben
2: Simmons? It's interesting right. you bring up Shake because I think that it Shake Milton is the least likely. I know that there's probably other players that are more untouchable, but um, Shake has two years left on a three or a five-year, I think it's a four-year, $5 million contract with the second year as a team option. So they have two years of him, like under $2 million each. So Mm -hmm. I think that on the market, you don't find a player as good as him for – Anywhere close to that price. So strictly based off his contract, I think that you can't trade him. Like I, I understand why he's brought up in trade conversations and I understand issues that he had in the playoffs. But the, the contract situation and cap space, like I, I don't see Shake moving.
3: Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. The contract is something to consider. There's a reasonable argument that, you know, Shake is probably going to be better than he looked for most of last season. Um, So I, I think that's a fair point. I, I don't think they're going to trade Seth Curry either. I think that would be my answer. Maybe, you know, they practice Seth and George Hill in a separate move, like sign and trade for Kyle Lowry or something for $20 million a year. I don't know. But as far as someone who's going to get traded along with Ben, Seth is making a shade over $8 million a year, I think, next season. He was really freaking good in the playoffs. He averaged 21 points and shot 60% from three in that Atlanta series. I don't think there's any rush to get rid of Seth. Um, Especially not if you're getting assets back for Ben. So, I I would say I'm pretty
0: comfortable guessing that Seth Curry's going to be on the team when next season starts. But yeah, I would say Seth Curry as well would be the untouchable player. In my opinion, outside of Embiid and Harris.
3: So we're going to talk now about some former Sixers, both coaches and players, um, who are getting jobs or looking for jobs around the league. We'll start off with Sam Cassell, who was pretty heavily involved in the Washington rumors. It does not appear that he's going to get that job at this point, but he, he's been noted in several different job searches this season. And going back to last season, he's clearly one of the next guys up, it looks like. So, John, how do you feel about that? Obviously, Cassell played a very important role in the Sixers' player development this season. Uh, you could, If you want to knock him, you could say he worked quite a bit with Ben Simmons, is what it seemed like from the outside looking in. So maybe that would be a knock. But he's clearly a pretty important player development voice on this team. We saw guys like Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Steibel make some jumps. What are your thoughts on him being... a a head coaching candidate around the league
2: yeah well I think you touched on some good points I think player development is obviously extremely valuable but he did work with Ben as you said those were valid points so I lean more towards the negative side and I'm actually like happy that he's getting looks as a head coach because my concern is that uh Doc brought over Sam Cassell and I think a, a couple other coaches when he came from Los Angeles and obviously Doc's history of blowing playoff leads is well documented, but I think he gets comfort from these assistant coaches that he has. And I think Sam Cassell is one of them being high up on the assistant coach list. And I think that they communicate a lot. And I, and it seems as though that docs not wanting to make adjustments is maybe almost supported by Sam Cassell. So I think having some fresh blood in, in the, assistant coaching hierarchy to be able to maybe challenge Doc or coexist with him, I think could only be beneficial. So I think getting the coaching staff out of their comfort zone a little bit would be uh, hopefully better. So I, I hope he, he does get a head coach job and moves on.
0: So I, I'm let, let me – um I don't agree with you in that regard, and let me tell you why. Besides, outside of Sam Cassell, the only other assistant that I know that he brought over was his son, and I believe his name is Isaiah Rivers. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there, guys, but um, uh, let's see. Dave Yeager was never an assistant for Doc prior to this, and Dave Yeager's been known to challenge, well, more front offices than other coaches, but, you know, he's not he has an abrasive personality sometimes. And then you got Dan Burke, who was with Indiana for years. So he had no prior ties to Rivers on a coaching staff as well. So I would disagree with you on that in regards to, you know, making him comfortable. Um, I know Sam Cassell was a candidate for the Washington job, though I don't think he's a finalist. I think Wes Unseld Jr. and Darvin Ham now are. Um, it's unclear if he's going to be getting a head coaching job this season. It looks like most of the um, guys are already filled. We, uh, we'll talk about one of them in a the second, but one that we've got to add on here. It, on our agenda was Ime Udoka, who got hired by the Boston Celtics. He was an assistant under Brett Brown the previous year, so good on I, Ime. Um But yeah, no, I mean, I think it's good for Cassell. I wanted him as a candidate for the Sixers job before Doc Rivers became available, so I like Cassell. I liked him as a player. He was one of my favorite point guards, uh, you know, not on the Sixers. And I think he will do great things when he is a head coach. I just don't think that, um, that it will be, uh, this season. I, I don't know if there's any vacancies left because I know Orlando hired, um, Jamal Mosley and New Orleans is a high about the higher guy that we're going to talk about here in a minute. And uh, Udoka went to Boston, uh, Chauncey went to Portland uh, Indiana got Carlisle, um, Carlisle, and then of course Dallas got Jason Kidd.
2: Yeah, and Lucas, I would just say it's not that I was thinking he brought over the entire staff, but the, Sam Cassell's been with Doc since 2014, so I mean it's yeah. six it's six years, and it seems like seven or six or seven years. So you can attribute some of the blown playoff leads to him as an assistant coach too. I mean, it's not just. It's obviously hmm. the players. The well, co- it's I would po- say
3: like the argument to that is Ty Lue, right? Who was in the yeah. last year in the Clippers? Yeah. We're in the conference finals now, and he looks like one of the best coaches in the league. So I would say that's probably the rebuttal to that argument.
2: Yeah, but I mean Ty Lue was with Doc for one year. Yeah, one year. He was in the conversation for other jobs prior to taking the head assistant coach last year with the Clippers. But Chauncey's been with the Clippers since twenty fourteen and Doc twenty thirteen.
0: Ty Lue has always been an assistant under Doc until he got the Cleveland job, to be fair. And then he was an assistant for David Blatt for a half season before he got hired as the head coach. So, Well, and also,
3: like even so, Ty Lue is like a notoriously great adjustments coach, and Doc is not. So if anything is going to help Doc in his one main weakness, which is doing things differently than he's used to doing them, it would seem like Tyler the guy to do that. Obviously, Sam Cassell is like the fourth guy on the sixth bench too. Dan Burke is pretty much in charge of defense. Yeager is the offensive guy. Player development is less of like an in-game adjustments sort of position, I would think. Yeah. He's obviously on the front of the bench. I'm not saying he doesn't have any say in that. Of course. But I, I, I do think there's like a reason that Cassell keeps getting brought up in these conversations. Like NBA, he can, can yeah, do their research. He's clearly someone that guys respect. So, so I do think there's a reason that he's getting brought up in these job searches.
0: Mm-hmm. And before he was with Doc, he was under Randy Whitman and uh, Washington for a few years.
3: Yeah, I think with Doc at this point, he's built up so much like clout and respect from that one championship 13 years ago. Or if any, if if there's an issue with guys challenging him, I think it goes beyond Sam Cassell. Like I, I think Doc gets a little bit too much leeway. I, I would agree with that, but I don't know if that's the same cell problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, agree. Yeah, fair enough. And to be fair, I don't even blame Ben Simmons on Cassell. I blame that on Simmons not wanting to do more. But that's yeah, that's not even here nor there, right, Chris?
3: Yeah. Um. The next guy we can obviously talk about is Monty Williams, who was a, an assistant very briefly under Brett Brown. Now he's coaching the Suns in the NBA Finals probably one of the most notoriously great people human beings in the NBA a guy that everyone in Phoenix and a lot of people outside of Phoenix clearly you know love um so what are your thoughts on a guy who is in this Sixers locker room around this organization coaching a finals team while while Philly uh you know is knocked out in the second round again John
2: it's definitely unfortunate obviously I mean because he came from the Sixers. But like you said, he's just such a good guy. He's so well-respected across the entire league that I am happy for him. I think that it's well-deserved. He was getting recognition when he was on the bench behind Brett, Bar- Brett Brown, and we were just one-year uh, overlap from him potentially having the chance to coach the Sixers. But I think I'm glad he got this role, and I think he's doing a great job working with Chris Paul, who he worked, in, who he worked with, Uh, for Chris Paul's first year in the league in New Orleans. So I think that they have some chemistry and I'm pretty happy that he's able to get this because of just who he is.
0: Yeah, Monty Williams has been through one of the toughest life experiences, not even basketball, but life experiences, losing his spouse. That, That was really tough on Monty. And I think that him bouncing back from that, you know, taking some time off, then working in the Spurs front office, then coming to work on Brown's staff, to getting the Phoenix job. It's a really great journey for him. And then to reunite with the first star that he ever coached in Chris Paul and them competing for our finals, which I, I know Chris doesn't agree, but I think the Suns should be favored to win. Um, you know, I think that's wonderful. And i I'm happy for him, genuinely. But I will say this, uh, Monty's about to have an open raw uh, space on his bench, and I think he should return the favor that Brown once extended him and allow Brown to be on his staff next season.
3: Well, that's if Brett wants to do it. I, I feel yeah. like Brett's kind of taking a break right now.
0: I mean, fair enough, but if I, Brett I, wants I to do I. Yeah. Take a lot out of him. Yeah, I, I don't blame him for taking him a break. But if he wants to come back next season, I think Monty w- should and probably will offer him a spot. I think Monty's that type of guy, and I think they have a great relationship from all that we saw. Those two had a great relationship, and I think that if um, if Brown wants it, it's there for him.
3: Well, look, he said specifically, and we've seen it with Billy. he that alley-oop to DeAndre Ayton in Game 2 of the Clipper series, took that straight from Brett Brown
0: so uh, actually fun note before the Suns were good and I remember this because I was covering the Suns back then when Jay Triano was the head coach and I'm going back a few years they ran the exact same play at the end of the game for Tyson Chandler when he was the starting center yep. yep, that was a really that was a fun time too but um yeah no that's not the first time I've seen Phoenix do that so when I saw I thought of oh Tyson Chandler did that I didn't think of Brett Brown, but that's cool that, you know, he got that from Brown, too. But, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, I think it's wonderful for Monty, and I'm saying Brett Brown should get another chance, if not as an assistant, as if not a head coach, especially as an assistant.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, like, just from throwing basketball aside, like a purely narrative, my own happiness perspective, Chris Paul, Monty Williams, and Dario Sarge all winning a ring at the same time. Would make me happy. Yes, would be just divine. I yes. really do hope it happens. Um, yeah, look, Phoenix is up two one. They they got off to a pretty strong start. We'll see what happens tonight. We're recording pretty much in the middle of Game Four right now, so I have no clue what's going on. But we're gonna we're gonna talk now about Willie Green, who you alluded to a bit earlier, Lucas, former Sixers player also was a assistant under Monty Williams in Phoenix this season. He's going to be the next head coach of the new Orleans Pelicans who are pretty frantically trying to upgrade that roster and that situation around Zion Williamson. John, you first begin, what do we think about Willie green getting this opportunity?
2: That's another high, another hiring like Monty Williams that I'm happy about. I think green's ready to step into a head coaching role. I think he's done a good job as an assistant coach and deserves this opportunity. Um, the only thing I'm worried about is obviously David Griffin's quick uh, trigger finger when getting rid of coaches. I think that especially when you have a young superstar like Zion in the making, you have to make sure there's some consistency and constantly changing the coach. Like I thought Stan Van, even though he didn't do a great job should at least get one more year. I, I mean, the constant change is something that's worrisome, especially for a guy who's getting his first chance at uh, head coach opportunity so I hope for Willie Green's sake that they give him a couple years to actually work with the uh, roster and, and work with Zion but I'm excited for him
3: I, I do think like reading between the lines there it seems like Stan Van Gundy was maybe not everyone's favorite person in that locker room and if you're if you don't think like Van gundy and Zion have a good relationship that's probably all you need to fire him like you, you got to get a guy who Zion approves of. And there's no like concrete report that Zion hates Van Gundy, but that seems to probably be about, you know, probably the reason behind it is that they weren't.
0: Well, hang, hang, hang on, Chris. I actually did see something where Van Gundy said Zion did not ask him to leave, was not the force behind it, at least from well, Van guess, Gundy's perspective. So, you yeah. know, take that. I mean, considering that he went through all that with Dwight like 10 years ago, I think it's safe to say that Van Gundy would know if a player was trying to oust him.
3: I I mean, I will say like the tactics that are required to coach basketball today, like just from a managing personality standpoint is not the same as it was back when Van Gundy Mm -hmm. was in his heyday. Oh yeah. Like we've heard Nate McMillan talk a whole lot about like adjusting his approach to dealing with players in Atlanta. And that's probably been his biggest change from the Indiana days. So I, I will say going with someone like Van Gundy, who's, a bit of a you know pretty notable tough guy like Mm -hmm. you know
0: well yeah yeah Yeah, well it might have not been zion but i'm sure he probably rubbed other people either in the front office and or on the team the same way um bad in a bad way um i mean let's look at it zion's first year barely played but when he did Alvin Gentry, I believe, was in his eighth season, which is like the longest tenured head coach for the Pelicans ever. So, I mean, it just felt like time for Alvin. And then Van Gundy, that was a head-scratcher higher in the first place. I mean, we all thought Van Gundy was done coaching. And then outside of switching Zion to a playmaking role, he didn't really do a lot of good things with that roster. Like, Eric Bledsoe should not have been starting. Let's Let's be clear. He should have been a sixth man. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't a poorly it was a poorly constructed roster. So Van Gundy was working against the grain in that way. Hopefully Griffin will do some things to make that team better. And honestly, outside of the Sixers, the Pelicans probably have the best package to offer for Damian Lillard. No, if no, he knows. no.
3: They have a better
0: package than the Sixers.
3: I, it's not yeah. outside of the Sixers. The Sixers are outside of New Orleans. Like no, They gosh. have the best package.
0: Yeah, I guess so. When you have Brandon and Ingram plus all the picks that they have, and like young players like uh, Nikhil Alexander, Josh Hart, you know, yeah, there's. I mean, actually, Hart is a, a, a restricted free agent, right? So, but still, I mean, yeah, they they could offer more if they wanted it. Um,
2: Lucas, I just wanted to touch on one thing you were saying though. Like, yeah. it was a head scratching hire for sure, and that's something that's like that's the main point of it. Like, I if if he's gonna call it if maybe you can't tell that he's going to cause issues or that there might be problems with Zion, if that is true. But like, hopefully he, Zion had some sort of input with Willie green. I mean, obviously you don't want to give players that they get to choose their head coach, but you don't want to have this constant turnover. So I think it's important to have some sort of input and clearly that didn't happen with Van Gundy. So hopefully that happened with Willie green and he's getting a, a realistic opportunity.
0: Well, I think, wasn't Willie Green on Gentry's staff at one point? I'm not sure on that. I have to look that up.
2: Uh, He was on the Warriors coaching staff. You guys know that Willie Green used to play with
1: Allen Iverson, right?
2: Yes, yes, yes.
1: You you know what that means when he becomes a head coach in New Orleans, right?
0: We're talking about practice?
1: They're not going to have a lot of practice. (laughs)
0: No. (laughs) Ah, uh, you had to use that sound bit. I had
1: to. Okay. I was just I was okay. dying. <laughs> okay, but Fair but enough. real quick, so real quick, I do remember watching Willie Green play, and he was just a really stocky player. He was like he, 6'4, yeah, was, yeah, really strong player, and he played quite a few years on the Sixers. Then he bounced around the league. Wasn't really necessarily a, a flashy player, he was a decent jump shot, below average three point shooter. But I, I'm glad he's getting a chance. I, I think he'll be able to flex a little bit of what he learned under Steve Kerr.
0: Mm. I think he played with good. Chris Paul on the Clippers, too. So that's fun that he yeah. has to win a championship with Paul now on the uh, – has a chance to win a championship with Paul now on, on the Suns as a coach. But, yeah, no, I think, I think that's a smart hire. A lot of people respect Willie Green. I would have put Sam Cassell before him, but, you know – it's just showing. I I just like the diversity in hires. This can we talk about that for a second? I just let's talk about the diversity diversity in hires. You got Chauncey Billups, you got Jason Kidd, you got Jamal Mosley, you got Euka, now you have Willie Green. That's six African American head coaches getting hired this off season. That that has to be a record or close to one, and I think that's great for the NBA. Yeah, I I agree totally.
2: I think that the fact that there's a lot of former players i like that mm-hmm. trend like i think that former players getting jobs especially point guards just kind of have that mindset of how to run the game so i think they transition best um into that role so looking forward to see what chauncey Billups and jason kidd do obviously jason kidd's already been a coach but just looking forward to what they do going forward
0: for sure and then uh, i think uh washington their two finalists darvin ham and uh you know Wes Unsell Jr. are both African-American head, uh, you know, assistants as well. So that's going to be another one there, too. So overall, I think it's just great for the game. Uh, before we get into this last topic, I think we, we have to address the uh, the recent rumors that came out today. And I, I saw it first by Kyle Newbeck, but correct me if I'm wrong, if it was somebody else before him. Um, that this there have been talks between the Sacramento Kings and the Sixers where the Sixers would want De'Aaron Fox for Ben Simmons, but the Kings have straight up said, no, we don't want to do that. And the rumored proposal from the Kings is Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and three first-round picks. Is that, does, is that correct? Did I get that correct? I, I, I
3: don't think that's the exact report. I don't think that's, I think that was just, like, a hypothetical trade that someone posted. I don't think that was reported, but it came from Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee. Okay, there we go. Um, Yep. I think basically the report is that the Sixers, yeah, they probably want Darren Fox. He's the only all-star caliber player on that roster,
2: mm -hmm. and that
3: the Kings are highly unlikely to trade him. Um... It also says, I have it pulled up in front of me, that they envision Simmons playing next to Fox, Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, or Sean Holmes, which is taking a lot off the table as far as who you're going to trade to Philly. So that does leave Buddy Hill to Marvin Bagley in some future picks, which I know Uriah is down for. I'm personally not down for it. I, just seems like a real underpayment to me. Is,
2: is Halliburton untouchable? Did they say that too?
3: They didn't Uh, say it specifically, but I I Buddy Heald's a pretty steep drop from Halliburton, so if they're going straight to Buddy Heald, then it seems like they're probably not going to trade for Ben Simmons.
0: Yeah, and and I've also heard, and I've read other things saying that in the long run, they want Halliburton to run the point guard and Fox to be the shooting guard. That's what I've seen in some reports. Um, I don't know if that's the best way to use those two, but... You know, so I, I definitely think that they have Halliburton in their long-term plans. Having Ben play the four, I don't know. I mean, it fixes their defensive problems, but offensively, you know, Holmes is in a stretch five, so I don't know if that really helps them.
1: Well, before you guys, well, before you guys came on, Jonathan and I were talking about that scenario, and I know that you favor like a, a really solid star. I think that De'Aaron Fox is right there on the edge of being a star. But in terms of fit, I do think that Buddy Heald would fit on this team. It would just add another sniper. Could you just imagine him, well, Danny Green, and Seth Curry? Yeah, that Chris, would be nice. And pinched. and John, and Jonathan and Jonathan brought up the fact that there will probably be picks involved. Now, whether it's two or three picks, that's still pretty good for one player.
2: Yeah, Chris, did you say that Buddy Heald's a, a fall-off from Halliburton? Because... I mean, Buddy Heald's been like in the, in the in league. Valley
3: Halliburton's on top of the mountain. I don't think it's close.
0: I, I think I league. think Hall, I think Halliburton is already better than Buddy Heald as an overall player. As a shooter, obviously Heald's better, but at what what they can both bring to the table overall as players, I think Halliburton's more well rounded now too. I'll agree I mean,
2: Heald's been in the league five years and he's a 41. Yeah, and he's almost
0: thirty. Yeah,
2: but I mean. I think that I I would take that trade in less than a second. Like, if that call came through, I wouldn't even think well, about it.
3: Buddy Hill has spent his entire career complaining about his role in Sacramento. It's not going to get bigger in Philly. And B, he sh- can shoot the heck out of the ball, yeah. But he's not the best team player. He's not a great defender. He got benched just last season, like in Sacramento. At By the- Luke Wall. Yeah. yeah, he has been benched at times on the Kings. He's not going to – is he even a guaranteed starter in Philly over if Danny comes back and Seth comes back?
0: Are you starting buddy over those guys? Not you're also. you also, also not getting a playmaker back and you yeah, need to get gonna a playmaker. You're
3: going to Ben for two bench pieces and some picks that may or may not be used to get another guy? I, I, All right. I feel like Ben's value is higher.
0: Though. Yeah, I agree
2: with Chris on that. No I one in the ben. world is going to offer us three first-round picks. No one in the world is going to give us that for Ben.
0: Oh, I, mean, oh, I don't. But I would think
3: can, can, if you can direct those picks to someone who is a, like an all-star
0: point guard, then by all means, go for it.
2: I mean, but even if you're you trying can. to
3: win around Joel right now. You have to maximize the window around Joel.
0: Yeah, right Joel now. has a max of five years. You have to use it now because them knees are not going to stand up the test of time. Love this but they're not.
1: Listen, I've been to Sacramento and it sucks. And the team has sucked since probably Chris Webber. White, Weber white I was about to
0: say white chocolate. So yeah.
1: I, yeah, white chocolate. Yeah. So it, it, it's not like it's this amazing basketball destination where players hope to get drafted to. Uh, and as far as him being discontent or, or malcontent, listen, a, a new change of scenery will give any player, especially if the team is going to be a playoff contender like the Sixers, will give well, him a fresh a fresh outlook on his play and, and life itself.
3: My I point. absolutely no. agree. The coach that Buddy Healed butted heads with was Dave Yeager, who was yes,
0: the leader. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yep. Fire. Yeah. There's
1: Firing. this thing in life called forgiveness.
3: Guys, Buddy Healed is not that good. He's just not. I don't. He's a
1: 40 three point he
3: Look he at the space
1: like that Joel would give him and the oh other shooters God. on this team, but he would be having but so who's, many wide open Who's running, open the,
0: game? The, who's, who's running the game guys. You don't have a point guard. Put, he puts, he puts Seth. Curry makes Seth. I agree with Maxie. I love Maxie, but he's not, he's more of a score, score first type of point guard. He's not running the
2: show. We need like, a score first point guard. we a point guard for six years. But here's the thing. You need somebody
0: to get Joel. You need to get Joel a I gotta put a clap in there Thank you
1: Jonathan
2: I mean I want a score first point guard Why do I want a pass first point guard
3: Like like, I agree You want someone who can score more than Ben But he needs to be able to like set up the offense And make basic reads And Buddy Hills not doing that You don't want Seth running the offense And we don't know if Maxie can Is gonna be good enough To be your starter on a championship team Next year I don't know if We can expect that out of him and if he did,
2: awesome. But, you don't you know, even we have, don't have to start, Buddy Heald, though. Like, even if he's a six man, okay. So Spacey so creates ben
3: for two bench pieces and picks three. So that's the best they can get for him.
2: Three first round picks from one of the worst teams in the league is not going to get a better deal.
3: Picks do nothing unless you can change that into another player who is of a
2: similar quality to Ben. Why? Would you don't do think you either? can get an, a player at nine that Sacramento's picking that can contribute? We got Maxie at. 20-something at 22. And the number nine
3: pick is not going to win you a championship. Ben, doesn't... <laughs> for all the slack, Ben's a top 30 player right now. He's still really freaking good. So I, I just don't think you can handle a talent drop-off that steep just because the fit's better.
2: You genuinely you know I mean? think that Ben Simmons can come back into the arena in October?
3: I don't care. Like, he, he'll get booed, sure. But... It's if gonna the mess only everything. offer on the table is Buddy Heald and Bagley, who's going to be out of the league in two years, and hey, we do not need
2: first-round picks,
3: I, I I know,
0: but like, can we just get Colin Sexton and call it a day? I'd rather yeah, have problems. I take
3: Sexton over that. Sex like I'm not a big Sexton guy, but they can do better. I think
0: they have to be able to do better. I would actually. I kind of like Sexton the most out of if ball. they can't uh, if, do
3: better, if, if... that is malpractice on like every other team in the NBA. Like, they, they, they have to be able to do better than that, I think, personally. Yeah.
2: I understand it's win now, but three first from the worst team in the league, almost the worst team in the league. Like,
3: well, question. Well, they're going to be that when they have Ben Simmons around. Exactly. They're going to be. They're, and they're gonna,
0: yeah, they're going to they're gonna be or at least knocking. The right they're going to be in at least the playing tournament with Ben. I don't know. I, I think it's possible. But let's, let's go ahead and actually get to the final topic on our agenda because we could talk about that all night. The Sixers, oh, sorry, wasn't ready for that (laughs) I wasn't transitioning per se. We're still still working out the kinks here, guys, sorry. Um, But anyway, Sixers got a new CEO. Tad Brown is replacing Scott O'Neill. Brown was the CEO of the Rockets prior to joining the Sixers. Well, actually, he was in the NBA front uh, league office for a little bit, but his last CEO job was with the Rockets when Maury was there. So, what do you guys think about O'Neill leaving and Brown taking his place?
2: Yeah, I think I'm just going to, like, I'm going to withhold judgment on this one. I, I think he's absolutely qualified. And I, obviously, it's great that him and Maury have a prior relationship. I just hope that that wasn't the deciding factor if there was some other close candidates for the role. Uh, but if it wasn't, I'm excited to see what he can do, but I'm going to withhold judgment to see what happens for the first couple of years.
3: Yeah. Look, I, I don't really care who's like running the business side of things for as long as they're giving Maury like enough money to spend on free agents and stuff. I I don't care that much who's CEO, you know, it doesn't like keep me up at night. I know Scott O'Neill is not like a fan favorite. <laughs> um, he was a little bit tone deaf at certain points, uh, Tad Brown, I like the fact that he's a Mori guy. If there's anyone's vision I trust in that like Sixers leadership structure, more than I trust Doc, more than I trust ownership, it's Daryl. So getting a guy in there who has worked with Daryl b- before and who I assume Daryl endorsed mm-hmm. is good. Like I, that's a positive in my view. But uh, yeah, outside of that and the Mori relationship, uh, it's not really something like you said, John, that I really have a lot to like dish out judgment on. Cause I, I just, who cares who's like managing ticket sales and stuff, right? It, it doesn't really impact the fans.
0: Yeah. I'm going to agree with you, Chris. It's not a huge deal in my book. I mean, CEO, that's all business stuff. I will say this though. It's just showing how much influence that Mori have growing his power in the front office and with the ownership is growing. Just because he's getting a guy like this. And I, I think they're, uh, you know, relation. I saw a meme the other day or a picture on Facebook saying networking slash relationships will get you any more places than any type of degree will. And that, I think that's what happened here. And I think it's good for Maury showing that he's getting firmer control of the team and the organization. And we'll go from there. But outside of that, I don't really have. Too much to say about Brown. I, I'm not a business guy, so that's it. But I think Chris, it's time for you to play us out. All right. Yeah, um, John.
3: Again, thank you for coming on the podcast. You've you've been a guest many times now, and of course, we'll have to have you on again in the future. We really appreciate it. If you want to tell our listeners where they can, you know, read your work, find you on social media, stuff like that, you know, let it rip.
2: Yeah, thanks, guys. I mean, I always love coming on and mixing it up, talking Sixers with you. It's it's always a fun time. I look forward to coming back. Um, you can find my stuff on the Sixers' Cent site. Uh, Jonathan Guy, you can look me up on that. Not on uh, Twitter, so that's the way you have to find me. But thanks again, guys.
3: Yeah, thank you. We really appreciate it. And as always, to all our listeners, a huge thank you for tuning in and giving us the time of week to talk Sixers basketball. We will... Keep you posted all through the NBA draft, which is coming up in a couple weeks somehow, and free agency, which will be right after that. Um, You can listen, subscribe, leave a review, give us a rating, all that stuff on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, the whole gambit. Keep on tuning in. We'll, We'll make it worth your while. So thanks, everyone.